Welcome to Technado. Welcome to another episode of Technado. We've got a lot of great tech news this week. Some stuff going on with Microsoft, Linux, some security news as always. So I'm excited to jump on in. I'm your host, Sophie. I will be hopefully leading us through this expedition today. And with me to my left, left and right, to my left is Don. How are you doing, Don? I am doing great. We do have a fun week, a, a number of articles here. I'm waiting for the week where we have no articles, where it's just like, <laughs> hey, technology's dead, because <laughs> then I get to retire, right? I think that's the, the next logical step yeah, in my career. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, of course, in addition to Don, we have Dan. Do you want to say something, Dan, or are you yeah. just going to sit there and stare at me? I, I was really <laughs> thinking about just staring the whole time. I was, I was hoping I could, I could, through my facial expressions, convey all the information necessary. I don't know if I could pull that off, but I think it was worth a shot. Yeah. For those that are just listening, I think that might just yeah. be very confusing. Every time it gets super silent, people are just like, oh, I hear you, bro. You just have to visualize what you're doing. That's okay. Right. Well, well, we'll see how that works. Yeah. Maybe we'll try that next time. Yeah. But for now, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the tech news we've got this week. We're going to start off. We've got some interesting things going on in the world of Microsoft. So this first article comes from Tom's Hardware. Microsoft, sort of, officially sanctions running Windows 11 on Apple's M1 and M2 Macs. Now, I'm not really a Mac girl, as you can see by the PC that I have in front of me. But from what I understand, the boot camp feature that this article talks about, it allowed people to use Mac OS with, like, as well as other operating systems like Windows, right? But that feature stopped working. So it kind of looked like the news here is that Microsoft's now officially providing some guidance on how to use Windows 11 with Macs since boot camps kind of kaput. Is that right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting turn of events because Microsoft never truly, like, sanctioned Bootcamp, but that was an Apple thing. Apple made a set of drivers that you could install Windows directly on your Mac hardware and run Windows, and it would have the drivers to support the Mac hardware. Well, uh, when they switched the M1 processor, that's an ARM processor, or uses the ARM uh, interface, and it's not an Intel. And so the Windows would run fine on the Intel side, but it wouldn't run so fine on the ARM side. That created some challenges, and if you try to do virtualization, it, it's been a bit of a struggle, right? I, I used to be a big fan of VMware Fusion on the Mac, and you could spin up Windows machines like crazy. VMware Fusion totally sucks on the <laughs> one Mac. Hey, have you used it, Daniel? Uh, I have it installed. I haven't gotten anything to run on it yet because I was like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do get it to run, it runs slow. Like VMware Fusion is a shadow of what it used to yeah. be. But Parallels has stepped up and actually done a pretty good hmm. job. You can spin up Linux VMs, and Windows 11 does have an ARM build that will run on it. Well, Apple has not put out a boot camp update for macOS since they switched the M1 and M2s. Uh, they actually haven't updated their Intel one either since then. They've just kind of abandoned it, so it's set adrift. Uh, so while you sort of can shoehorn Windows 11 onto the Mac hardware, there's not really a good way especially not an officially supported way to run it on top of a Mac. Well, Microsoft released an updated knowledge base article explaining how you could run Microsoft applications on Mac OS, and they gave two options. So one was using their cloud desktop service that you could pay 30 or 40 bucks a month for, or two, you can use Parallels. Microsoft actually just came right out and said, we recommend you use Parallels. And so that was kind of a neat thing to see them endorse that, and it shows where VMware is kind of falling behind. I've never used Parallels. Tell me, like, what's your experience with it versus the other normal virtualization softwares? Like, <laughs> All right. Do you like it? Do you like, well, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's got some right. pros and cons. <laughs> I, I have a tough time. I do use Parallels. Yeah. And I have a tough time with it. And, and so I'll give you two stories. So on one side, it works great. Like Parallels does really work well. Uh, they're usually ahead of the curve and they definitely support running 
macOS, uh, running on macOS. So they, they've done a good job there. So those are all positive things about Parallels. If you buy it, it will do what it says it will do, and, and you'll likely be happy with it. Um, but there is a little bit of history with the Parallels company. I don't know if, if you guys know about this, but uh, originally they, they were a Russian company. Uh-oh. And uh, <laughs> ATM machines for banks, for a long time, almost every ATM machine ran IBM's OS2. And when people started kind of moving on, OS2 stopped being supported. Yeah, you can see all my OS2 boxes behind me. Uh, Don is an ATM. (laughs) uh, Virtual PC, VMware, they just wouldn't run OS2 very well. Like it does some memory tricks that would crash it. And so the Parallels company actually started because they wanted to properly emulate OS2. And they had a big contract with the Russian government. So the company is pretty thoroughly in bed with the Russian government, which kind of gives me a little bit of hesitation with running them. Uh, you know, if, if you're in the U.S., there's a lot of laws right now where we're not allowed to use Russian products. Parallels is no longer based out of Russia, so they are based out of Europe. Uh, so it is legal to buy and use, but that gives me a little bit of hesitation. So good product, does what it says, performance is great, but I always feel a little weird using it. Yeah, I don't think it's one of our articles, but I think I was reading, you know, just my newsfeed or whatever. And today I read an article that said something to the effect of uh, Russia is mulling over the idea of uh, legalizing patriotic hacking. <laughs> I saw that. Hey, yeah. yeah. Patriotic hacking. Patriotic hacking. I was like, well, there's that. I mean, they're like, well, as long as you're not doing it to us. Uh. <laughs> didn't they say, they, they came out and said, like, it was okay to steal software as long as it wasn't Russian, right? I didn't see that. I, I think they did. It was either them or... <laughs> it's okay to steal and to, like, murder people. <laughs> it was either them or Belarus. Because, you yeah. know, there, there's, the, there's the the embargoes in place now. Yeah. So, like, they, they can't buy Microsoft Windows legally right, right now. And so they were basically saying, well, if we can't buy it, we'll steal it. Why don't we just legalize stealing it? And the risk in the past was if you legalize stealing it, then those vendors might cut you off. And But they're and, already cut off, so. Yeah. So they're like, what the hell? Why not? Yeah, yeah. They have nothing to lose, basically. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yep. So, uh, you know, there, there were, like, when you go to some, no, I'm not speaking from experience here, so let me verify this. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you hear stories about people going to Asian markets, and there's, like, all these uh, bootleg CDs. You mm-hmm. can bootleg music at any vendor on the street corner, and it was because those international copyright laws just weren't observed there. And yeah. uh, so it, it's interesting. You, you can't just look at things from like a U.S. centric view. You have to look at it from the worldview. And when they talk about patriotic hacking, I guess they're, they're just saying like, well, you're kind of helping us out. Right? Yeah. It's almost like vigilanteism. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're, they're Robin Hood. It is, right? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with that? Though? All right. Then. <laughs> the only thing I saw on that was some tagline or whatever that said, you know, it's okay to hack as long as it's for the glory of Mother Russia. Yeah. And that was the most context that I had on it because I didn't I didn't read further into it. So yeah. this is the first I'm really <laughs> yeah. actually hearing about what that is. So I, if, if, that, if that's the legal context of it, then there that's just opening all sorts of candy. <laughs> well, I did it for Mother Russia. You can yeah. justify anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that was the most context I had. So thank you for providing. You know, more I'm, I'm trying to put this in the context of Red Dawn, right? <laughs> so it's funny you bring that up. I was like, I, I saw C. Thomas Howell in a show last night. I was like, I got to watch Red Dawn again. Yeah, because the Wolverines, <laughs> right? Absolutely. They, they weren't U.S. military, but they were fighting the fight. Wolverines, right? Wolverines. Wolverines. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so in a way, that's what Russia is doing, right? There you go. They're the Russian. Uh, I mean, which is the absolute opposite of what was in Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, now they just have to get Emilio Estevez on their side. Yeah. and uh, no, well, It was uh, Charlie Sheen, his Char- brother. 
Yeah. Wasn't Emilio in it as well or no? No, it was, it was just it was Charlie Sheen, Sheen. Yeah. and uh, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, and, yeah. C. Thomas Howell, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm not going to ask. She's like, who are these people? I wish I was alive for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, moving on. We got uh, another uh, article about Microsoft here. This one's about Microsoft Outlook. It's from Bleeping Computer. Microsoft Outlook flooded with spam due to broken email filters. And I've been getting spam emails in my inbox all week that usually <laughs> go to junk. So maybe that's why. Maybe I have an answer now. So what I got from this is that, so this was, this was published uh, Monday of this week, February 20th. And it looks like by the following morning, Microsoft acknowledged the issue. They said the problem had been addressed. But basically, it looks like what was happening is the filters were not working. And a lot of users were marking it as spam, sending it to junk. And it was just appearing right back in their inbox. It just was not. It didn't appear as though anything, it wasn't listening to them, it sounds like. Yeah, this is a case of you don't miss it until it's gone. Like, <laughs> a lot of us will criticize how effective or ineffective the spam filters are with our various products that are out there. Uh, but in this case, for an eight-hour period, the spam filters in Microsoft 365 and the Outlook.com service were completely borked and just didn't work at all. So all email went to your inbox, and for some people... Uh, some people being this guy, uh, it resulted in a deluge of email. Like you got a lot of email that you just wouldn't normally notice. It would normally go to your spam folder. So that uh, is something that people recognize pretty quickly. Microsoft hasn't come right out and said, here's what the problem was. And that, that does concern me a little bit because it's almost guaranteed to be some kind of mail routing issue. And that means that mail got routed in ways that it wouldn't normally get routed. Where did it get routed to? Right? So you hear about like, where a BGP route gets modified by accident, and all of a sudden all this traffic gets routed through another country. Could that have happened here? I don't think so because we did ultimately get the emails, right? But we just don't know. So I'm, I'm hoping that Microsoft releases more information on it, but it was just an eight-hour window of time that spam and phishing emails were getting through. So definitely something to be on the watch out. You see, I had already set up a special Outlook rule that is specifically for when these things are going to eventually happen, right? And that rule just says, if it comes to the inbox, just send it to spam. Effective. <laughs> All Effective. inbox email to spam, the end. That's why you're not responding to my emails. Okay. Because That's it's good. spam. <laughs> <laughs> All your emails are spam. It did, you're right. Where are you? Why aren't you working now? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's not important. Email. Yeah, that's right. I didn't <laughs> ask for that. Who is this? <laughs> but you're right. When I was reading through this, I'm like, it doesn't really say why or what. Like, oh, it's because of this. It just said... We identified the source and actions being taken to fix it. But it's like, well, what? Okay, what was the source then? Why did this happen? But I guess they're not really required to say. I mean, they can. Yeah. So if it's interesting you bring that up, right? Because if, if there's not a breach, if customer data wasn't uh, exposed, they don't have to tell us why. So they could just say, no, nope, none. It, yeah. it was a nunya incident, right? <laughs> <laughs> nunya business, and uh, and that's it. But I, I do hope that they do share some of that information with us down the road. We'll we'll have to see if they do. Yeah, it's always kind of nice when they kind of tell us how these things go wrong so that we can try to help, you know, make better spam rules for ourselves. Yeah, or, or so that we know how to disable yeah. their spam filters. Yeah, I, I, always, <laughs> I always call it uh, spam. my spam or junk folder is inbox two. <laughs> that's because that's usually where all the stuff I actually need goes. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's true. There, are, there have been times where things end up in my spam and I'm like, yeah. that's where it went. I so sent it's, you that email. Oh, okay. Let me no, check my sure other yeah. inbox. Yeah. Yeah. Check inbox yeah, two. I have a here. special filing cabinet for yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess maybe that's would that be a reason why they wouldn't share it? Is like you said, for fear of like if they share this information, it might enable bad actors to like. like is there a, their is there a security reason why they would not share that? Yeah, I I always have two negative assumptions. So like 
one assumption is they don't know what went wrong and it just mm. fixed itself <laughs> and they're not ready to fess <laughs> they up rebooted to it. right yeah. Yeah. yeah or or option yeah. two is they did something so embarrassing that they don't want people to know like oops we turned off that you know that piece of equipment <laughs> which they have been known to do right yeah absolutely <laughs> so uh so who knows in this case more than likely it's almost yeah. guaranteed that they had servers dedicated to spam filtering and billy the intern got in there and <laughs> some update was pushed out that they had to roll back and so it, it likely fails open so when the filtering system fails it just automatically flows things through which is, is better than not getting email right that, that would have people up in arms so was it solar winds that had the intern that like oh yeah totally screwed things up the password was like, like yeah. solar winds one two three yeah, yeah. oh wow yeah, yeah. Okay, I did not. Do not underestimate the power of an intern to bork things up. The negative power, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit uh, away from Microsoft for now, we're going to talk a little bit about we've got a Linux article. This is from the Register. System D253. Am I saying that right? Yep. It's not systemed. System D253, the future of enterprise Linux boot processes. This is another one that uh, going through it, I, I kind of I was learning a lot reading this. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a Windows girly, so uh, every time I can learn about Linux, it's always good. But it seems to be, the main takeaway, at least for me, was uh, these unified kernel images provide, it sounds like a more secure way of starting up a Linux operating system. And yeah. so this Ukify tool that's included as part of this latest release would make it easier to create and manage stuff like that. So I, it sounds like it's a good thing. Yeah, you know, it really is, although some people hate it because there's there's a lot of people that just hate System D no matter what they do. Mm. Like, System D could push out a new update that literally cures cancer, and there'd still be people <laughs> saying, I don't want that on my system. Get that <laughs> off of there. Keeping my cancer. Uh, <laughs> Cancer's so, good for me. <laughs> so, uh, with System D 253, they're, they're making a little bit of a change, and, and it all goes back to Secure Boot, right? When Secure Boot was originally launched, it said, hey, when you power on your system, your BIOS or your UEFI BIOS now, it has to kick in, boot up the system, has to grab a bootloader and run the bootloader. Well, what if there's malware in the bootloader? Then your system could be compromised before your kernel is even loaded. It's fake news, Don. It never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish that was the case, but this yeah. one's been demonstrated. Yeah, it kind of has. And so they said, well, what if we digitally signed the bootloaders? And that way, if somebody tampers with it, the system just won't boot it. And people freaked out because originally they felt that only Microsoft would be able to digitally sign bootloaders. But we've seen since then that Ubuntu and many other OSs have had no problem getting bootloaders digitally signed. Uh, and so we're more secure, except only the bootloaders digitally signed. Well, then it has to call your kernel and fire that up. And your kernel has to call the init system and fire that up. And there's all these different things that happen at boot time that aren't digitally signed. And the init RAMFS, or the, the RAM file system that's created by your init process, that is a big target for malware writers. If they can get malware put in that file system, your system boots up, it copies it into RAM, so it's no longer running from disk, it's just running in RAM, and it's running with system credentials that can do whatever it wants. And so Secure Boot doesn't protect from that right now. And I, I say right now, because when you run a unified kernel image, all those things that I just get mentioned get packaged together and digitally signed together. So if any one of those factors gets tampered with, it stops the system from booting. So you get the real security that Secure Boot was shooting for in the beginning. So that is rolling out in System D 253, which means you're not going to see that in the OSs you install today. But 
within the next year, within the next 12 months, you can expect to see Rel and Ubuntu and several of the other major players to adopt this. This is going to be the new standard for Secure Boot. So, Don, what happens when System D two fifty whatever, the uh, AKA the Great Satan, obviously, <laughs> obviously, right? uh, what happens when it gets that some data corrupt? Like maybe maybe your image has a corruption, and now it's yep. like I'm not going to boot. System won't boot. Yeah. So, what would be what? What do you have to do at that point? Is that like a full on like? I guess there's no way around this. You got to reinstall no, you, event or you have to treat it kind of like um, if your TPM gets wiped. Oh, right. If your TPM gets wiped, now you can't decrypt your hard drive to, right. to access your data. So you've got to go through a recovery process. Right. You haven't lost your data. You just have to go through the recovery process. Same thing here. If your your boot files because they're they're still stored on a little uh, EFI partition, right? So uh, or a boot partition. So that that data is there. You can still fix it mm. and get back in place. And and you know I, I mentioned encryption. One challenge that I've run into a lot with uh, uh, with Linux systems is if you want to do full disk encryption, like Lux encryption, right? When you encrypt the disk, every time you boot up, you've got to type in your key to unlock the disk. Well, once we have these unified kernel images, we'll be able to properly store those keys in a in TPM, TPM so they can be loaded. Apple does that with Mac OS. Microsoft does it with Windows. Linux will be able to have that soon too. And that's why the enterprise vendors are really going to jump on it. We're, we're going to see this push out fast. Nice. What are some of the other, obviously, you know, this is, this is a good thing, right? We, we want this. That's why they're saying this is the future. You're going to start seeing this, as you just said, in all these enterprise levels. What are some of the downsides that we're going to have to kind of be on the lookout for and have to realize there's going to be some, some upswimming, uh, swimming upstream on a couple of things that we got to be prepared for. So, you know, some of the criticisms that come out on this is that it does take away a little bit of your, uh, what's the word? Freedom, enterprise, whatever. Okay. You're, autonomy? You're, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. Autonomy, you, yeah. You know, if, you, if you don't like the init system, like, you know, let's say you're on a system that has system D and you decide you want to retrofit it for sysv init. It's a pain in the butt, but you can technically do it with a number of distros today. But... If that's not officially supported by the vendor, I think you have to do that in Black Arch by default or Arch Linux by default. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Arch they Linux, just make you do it. All the rules are off. <laughs> yeah, but, right. <laughs> but you know, let's say that you're trying to run some Ubuntu or Debian variant, yeah. and you start messing at that level. Well, they're not going to release digitally signed unified kernel images, right? So you could try and make your own, but it wouldn't be digitally signed at that point. So now you've got this extra thing that you've got to deal with if you're a person who modifies those. Now, I'm a pretty heavy Linux user. Yep. And I, I've run any number of distros over the years, and I can tell you, I think I've only modified my init RAMFS once in, in my entire 20-some-odd years of using Linux. Um, it's just not something we normally have to do, uh, thanks to kernel modules and other stuff where you're able to bolt on. So I, I, I don't think there's a lot of downside to this, but it does get further in bed with system D mm. and, and basically says, like, it's, it's here to stay, which it really already is. Okay. The main thing that I had found interesting about it was the, the whole thing about the unified kernel images, because that, that was not something I was familiar with. So kind of reading about that was interesting. And then it said there was maybe a couple other changes. So it uh, looks like improvement to file system issues and the way that they're handled. Um, you, new option to limit the amount of memory assigned to the compression pool, which, again, that's, that's some some terminology that was unfamiliar to me. So I, I went in and, and was able to learn more about it. Um, but it does say that those are going to be less visible, I guess, than 
those, than everything else that was mentioned. Those are things that we benefit from, but we don't necessarily notice. And so, like, you know, the odds of your compression pool taking up a noticeable amount of memory is, is pretty low. But in particular scenarios, it becomes an issue. So certain people will really see a benefit from that, but most of us won't won't even notice. Okay. Well, there you go. System System D two fifty three is is the future of enterprise Linux, supposedly, <laughs> or according to the register. According to the reg. <laughs> we are going to. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break and uh, go to commercial or wherever you'd like to call it. But don't worry, we will be back with more Technado in just a short bit. My name is Dana Morrison. I'm the IT director at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, North Carolina. I work with two technicians, Buddha and Anthony. We cover all grades at the school. We figure that we support approximately 800 end-user devices. My name is Buddha Nepal. I work as IT support here and AV specialist. I moved into IT department and and on our first meeting, other team members asked me, "Hey." What's your IT background? And I was like, I don't have any. We have this SharePoint project that we're rolling out. So I was able to go to IT Pro TV and um, watch. And by the end of this month, we were actually migrating all our files to SharePoint. I can use IT Pro TV's uh, supervisor portal to check the progress of my technicians so I can see what they're looking at. So when we were doing SharePoint training, I can go in and I can see that Buddha is hitting on that content. I really want to see hands-on how they do things. And if there was an IT Pro TV, I don't know how I would have done that. IT Pro TV has given us the ability to level up our technicians to a point where they can decide, this is important for me to learn and go out and learn. At home, I have Apple TV, and there is an app there. And so I actually watch on Apple TV. I, I watch it in my iPad, too. Saturday mornings, I still get up early. 6.30, I go grab a cup of coffee, I sit down on the couch, and I typically watch two or three episodes uh, as I just kind of increase my own learning skill set. I would recommend IT Pro TV uh, to any IT team that is looking to extend their knowledge. Uh, it offers a great, easy to access, interactive, entertaining uh, environment. It's just a great tool uh, for any IT professional. Welcome back for more TechNATO. In this segment, we're going to jump into some of our security articles. And as you can see, I've gained a computer. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Just figured I would acknowledge that because I'm kind of Your excited computer about had it. a baby computer. I feel, like the, I feel like the stereotypical hacker in like a movie where yeah. they're like, I'm hacking the mainframe and they're very clearly not doing anything. That's what I feel like with these two computers. Moving 3D cubes around yeah. and somehow yeah, exactly. they get you in. Yeah. Yeah. Take some five seconds to get root access. Like, yeah. I'm in. That was easy. And yeah. Some multicolored, you know, avatar. <laughs> yeah, we're in a heist movie now. That's what I feel like. So, uh, so jumping into some of the security news that we've got. I know I said we were done talking about Microsoft, but we're not. Uh, this one is from Security Week. Patch Tuesday, Microsoft warns of exploited Windows zero days. So it looks like Microsoft released software updates to fix 76 vulnerabilities, which sounds to me like a lot. Maybe that's normal in the in the <laughs> world of vulnerabilities. Maybe 76 vulnerabilities is just like, ah, it's just another day. Um, but it looks like the most serious was a Windows graphics component remote code execution flaw that could allow an attacker to gain system privileges. And that does sound serious. Yeah, while most people are celebrating Fat Tuesday, Microsoft is celebrating Patch Tuesday, which is not <laughs> ah, nearly as fun. Okay. Um, I, I will say that 76 vulnerabilities is not unusual. So they, there's usually a lot of vulnerabilities to get patched. The only time we truly need to worry, though, is when they're already being exploited in the real world. So of these 76, 
only one of them is actively being exploited, and that is the one that you mentioned, Sophie. So uh, it's a big one. Anytime there's a remote code execution, in in my opinion, those are, are what I consider the worst. Is that is that fair, Daniel? Like remote code execution is pretty much as bad as it gets? Yeah, that's pretty much nightmare fuel right there. Okay. Uh, so so they've got, I believe it's actually two CVEs that you Unauthenticated piece together. remote code execution. Oh, yeah. That yeah would be. That's, that's the big dog. Yeah. I don't have to do nothing but fire packets off at you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that one takes the root the shell. Yeah, that's fun. So, uh, <laughs> so this one, you know, a graphics driver—that's that, something that a lot of people use. Practically <laughs> everybody, right? It's not like uh, one of these was a vulnerability in the iSCSI discovery service, which you might have disabled or even just limited to your local network. That one's not one I worry about. But when you're talking about a graphics driver, that is something that I worry about, or any of those interfaces that you kind of have to use. So, this is one we want to be aware of, and. Every now and then you'll hear people say, oh, I hate Windows updates because it, it makes my computer reboot or it crashes my computer and they never work. Well, when there's an actively exploited uh, vulnerability that's out there, y- you need to do the patch. So this is an important one we, we definitely want to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- when they start coming out with like these criticals, those criticals are the ones you really want to kind of pay attention to. And what's interesting, Don, is I was I was looking up these CVEs to see you know which ones were being exploited. I I looked up this one, and uh, this is the Graphics Privilege Escalation uh, CVE, which was uh, CVE 2023-21715, I think. Is that okay. correct? Yeah. Uh, and from this database I'm looking at, which is voldb.com, it says that there are uh, technical details are unknown and an exploit is not publicly available. So there's no proof of concept code out there. So if you're wanting to try to, like, Work on this. See if you are vulnerable to this. Just patch the thing. Don't don't worry yep. about about that kind of stuff. If there are actors out there doing stuff, but also the WebKit one is involved in this. Remember, we talked about Apple yep, just last, last week, week, and that is a part of this roll up on Patch Tuesday. I kind of want to bring that up as well because, as you mentioned, if you want to code your stuff to run on on Apple, you got to use their WebKit, yep. and it's a part of this as well. So another big dog. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the one that was successfully exploited, the remote code execution, that one's CVE 2023-21823. Uh, if you want to read up on that one. So that's the one that's active. We do need to worry about. Uh, the others are, are, are the, let's be honest, the others are just waiting to become active. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like they, they will soon. But you have a little bit more time on those. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, some of these are, are tied to Microsoft Dynamics or 3D Builder or whatever. That's not urgent. But. What'll be fun is is that obviously there's a patch out. Right? Okay. Who do you think is going to get hit by it first? Because they didn't patch. Schools and hospitals. Schools and hospitals. That's a good That's a good guess right there. I would, I would go with that or a financial institution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're slow to patch. They are definitely slow to patch. Interesting, because arguably those would be three things that I would want to be the most Listen, you just be quiet over there. (laughs) We don't patch around here. That's just heresy. Yeah. Right. But but how many, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in the security space, and they're like, I get into boxes, maybe pen testers or red teamers. They get in because they find something that is not patched. There There is an available patch, and it is not applied. Yeah. So I just can't wait to start seeing the... The articles roll into the Technado here about. Uh, we got pwned. Remember that whole <laughs> CVE twenty twenty three twenty you know twenty one eighteen or two one eight two three. Yeah, here it is in the wild. This one's not as bad as the uh, what was the SMB flaw? Blue something. Eternal blue. Oh, Eternal it, was, blue. it was double pulsar first. This was discovered by NSA. Yep. And then it got leaked by the shadow brokers, and then that turned into WannaCry, 
and then that turned into yeah. Eternal Blue, and yeah. So that that shows what can happen <laughs> yeah. with one of these. You know, it just spirals out of control. Yeah. So we're in the early stages here. It's already patched. Hopefully, just apply your Hopefully, patch. you update your systems. Yeah. Hmm. Another cautionary tale, courtesy of Technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of who got pwned, we have a couple couple different articles this week. It looks like there was some major, I don't know, would the term be ponage, I guess? So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Major ponage. That's the technical term, right? Major ponage. ponage. So let's go ahead and take a look. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! So this first one, uh, maybe have heard about it. This is from Wired. Hackers ran amok inside GoDaddy for nearly three years. So I misunderstood this at first. Um, I didn't realize it. it is just the same group that there was a, an intrusion detected in March 2020 and then November 2021 and then now December of last year. And it's the same group. It's just, it sounds like it's been different things that have gone wrong each time. So this most recent one was, looks like they found malware installed and parts of their code stolen. And it's the same people. So they just, have they just maintained access the whole time? Well, you know, hard, hard to say from the outside, but that would... That would certainly seem like a safe assumption here is that they got in and GoDaddy attempted to remediate the breach, but either they left something behind that allowed the attackers to stay in there and they kept that foothold and they kept growing from there, or maybe they did kick them out. But this group was so focused on GoDaddy as a target that they just found another way to get in afterwards. Either scenario is possible. But it does mean that GoDaddy was being attacked by a particular group, a, a concerted, focused effort over a period of three years. And while we heard about some of these other bre- breaches as like independent events, now we get to see it in the big picture. If this is kind of seeming like deja vu to you, this is almost like the LastPass breach all over again, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they drip it out of these little events and then you find out it's part of something much, much bigger. Well, GoDaddy was much bigger. You know, at first it was just some employee credentials that got out. And then it was the WordPress admin panels of all these and different sites. They didn't Circle CI have the same thing? Right? What, didn't we talk about Circle CI? Circle CI was worse. Though. Right? It was worse. Blown wide yeah. open. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this this is definitely starting to become a trend, apparently, in the world out there. First, they start off with getting access, then starting to grab some code. Then they probably get discovered, get kicked out. Then they fish somebody or they use credentials or whatever malware they've installed to get back in. And they're back in. They do even more damage. And it's just like it seems to be this cascading attacks yep. that they're using now instead of just one big, hey, hit and run. Yeah, now they are a publicly traded company. So they had to disclose this to the SEC. And that's how that's how we're finding out about it, which mm. is interesting because like I'm, I'm a GoDaddy customer and they didn't tell me. Are you going to still and- be? I, I just have like a demo account on oh, them, gotcha. you know, but I should have received a notification because my yeah. data is there. You did. It went to your spam folder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, like if you're fully in bed with GoDaddy, they, they do web hosting, they do domain registration. I, I think that was that was their leading product originally. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they really do the whole gamut of web hosting services. And so if you're fully in there and you learn about this, like, Everything you've got is fully breached. Sometimes private keys were, were lost and stuff. Uh, really undermines confidence in a platform like GoDaddy. But we just keep seeing the same type of activity with other vendors. How long is it before just everybody's been breached? Yeah. Uh, it seems like we're rapidly approaching that date, whenever it is. <laughs> it's not too far off in the distant future. Every time um, I read one of these, like the apology that they'll issue, it reminds me of the Tiger Woods apology. Like, <laughs> we're so sorry. We're going to try to do better. We, we want to take care of our customers. And it, I just picture him crying. Like, it would be funny if they had like a, a spokesperson that they do the <laughs> reading and the guy's like, what's that word? 
Sorry, I've never heard of that. Anyway, we're apparently <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I don't think they are, honestly. <laughs> I, a lot of these companies, they do have an aversion to saying the word sorry. And yeah. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or something uh, for a generational because you, you thing. can't you can't admit guilt, right? Like okay. that's that seems to be the problem is yeah. they don't like to say that they were guilty of anything. There's just things that that have occurred and they're not good for any of us. Yeah. Right. But it's really for them it's just the cost of doing business. Yeah. And And they, they did say and, and this is this is a quote, we apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused to any of our customers or visitors to their websites. And that's it. You yeah. Know, it, this is like a CEO who does the layoff and yeah. you know, I laid off a hundred thousand people and I take full responsibility for this, and I I will be sad when yeah. I go deposit my bonus check. Yes, yeah, better to say. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I get a million dollar bonus this year because I laid off a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just it just struck me as funny. It's just I got that image in my head of the we apologize for any inconvenience. Like that eh, doesn't really sound like a direct apology. Yeah. It's like the apology of like I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. I'm really you know sorry. what I like to say? I know you're sorry. Now apologize. Right. <laughs> Show me you are sorry. Right. Actions speak louder than words. Right? Yeah. So definitely some uh some hard times sounds like coming up for GoDaddy. So well, I mean, even they they say we're sorry, right? And this is the third time from the same group. Yep. Right. So what does it take for you guys to really start? Or, or here's the thing: is this group just so damned advanced that Maybe. there was nothing you could do to stop them? From what we've seen from it, it doesn't seem like it, right? Phishing emails are. <laughs> Typically, soup du jour. Yeah. Right? Someone clicked the link. Damn it. Now they're in. Yeah. Shit. Now what do we do? <laughs> well, I guess we issue that apology note. Get Jenkins over here to read that. that and remember to brief him on the word sorry. <laughs> and, well, I mean, you know, they, they've already got the, the note written. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just they got an Outlook <laughs> template. They just. <laughs> well, like you said, it's weird that customers would not have gotten a notice like, hey, this is going on. But then also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But it says that customers were reporting their websites were being mysteriously oh, yeah. <laughs> redirected to other domains. So it's not only affecting customers of GoDaddy, but people that are visiting the websites of customers affected by yeah. GoDaddy. So to, to just do you remember what it said where it directed them to? Mm-mm. Malware installation sites. Ah. So yeah. it was like yeah. drive-by downloads, <laughs> and and it is an example though. Of, I mean, it basically tells us that the customers saw the problem before GoDaddy did. Yeah. How do they not see this? Yeah. Yeah. If if, if you see a large percentage of your WordPress hosting customers all of a sudden redirecting. That should be That's an a indicator. red flag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a little bit anomalous. Maybe check that out. Yeah. Well, GoDaddy was not the only victim of a, what do we say, pwnage this week. Yeah. Uh, we also have an article from Bitdefender. Scandinavian Airlines website hit by cyber attack, customer details exposed. So it was a group called Anonymous Sudan that knocked uh, Scandinavian Airlines website and their app offline, exposed some customer data. But it looks like people are saying, like, well, this might not even be, it's Anonymous Sudan, but it might not even be people from Sudan. It, it might be a, a Russian campaign or part of one, which was interesting to me. Hard, hard to say on this one, and there's not a, a ton of details out, but the interesting part is what the, the motive was behind this one. So uh, I hadn't heard about this. Uh, maybe I haven't been following international politics like I should, but uh, apparently in a demonstration or protest, a group burned a copy of the Koran in Scandinavia. Uh, we've had similar run-ins here in the United mm-hmm. States where... You People know, have done some things. Yeah, yeah and they, they end up burning a Koran, and, and that's the, the holy book of Islam. Yep. And so obviously... There, 
the nation of Islam is not, not going to be happy about that. Or, no, they or, take that kind of thing pretty seriously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and not, wait, I have to remember because there, there's the nation of Islam, but then there's yes, that is a different thing. Islam itself, either it doesn't. There really are matter. nations that are Islamic. Yes, and yes. and to all of them, like the Quran is sacred, right? yeah. and so they they get pretty upset, which totally <laughs> makes sense. Um, but it looks like hacking groups that are in support of that are taking it out on all of Scandinavia. Uh, the message here should be that if you are an IT worker in Scandinavia, you need to be aware that they are targeting anybody, right? And in this case, it just happens to be the Scandinavian Airlines, uh, which oddly enough goes by the acronym SAS, uh, but they special are Air elite Service. special forces. Yeah, no. But uh, but either way, so uh, <laughs> uh, so if you run something in in Scandinavia, you certainly need to be aware. And it's kind of a lesson for all of us, right? Like. Uh, we're in the U.S., and so if somebody burns a, a Bible and then mm. you know, Christian extremists start, start going after websites, a private company could be targeted as part of a larger campaign. It's not not even their fault. Just like out of the blue, they get hit. Uh, but that certainly seems to be what's going on here. And there's no indication this is tied to the hacking group Anonymous. This is just a group claiming to be uh, anonymous and based out of Sudan. I wonder who they'll go after next, because apparently, like they're saying, right, prepare for that. We hope Sweden will prepare for that. So it does seem ominous, like there's more to come. Yeah, well, it looks like group. they've already, it says they attacked, uh, looks like Sweden's healthcare sector was hit by similar attacks, I think by the same group. Mm. Um, I think this is on Valentine's Day, Sweden's national TV broadcaster went off the air because of it. So already there's been other attacks. But yeah, I would imagine in the future, even the airline said, Attacks like this often come in batches. More attacks are likely to come in the near future. And the writer of this article was like, I highly doubt that calmed any concerned passengers. Yeah. But important to acknowledge, I guess. You know, I, I feel bad for a lot of these companies because it's, it's really like they're at war. Yeah. And you've got one side firing all the bullets and the other side is just sitting there sucking it up. <laughs> and because you know, what, what can you do? Right. I don't know. That there is much they can do. I mean, we've seen a little bit of hacking back, I guess quote-unquote, hacking back here recently and by some governments. So maybe they start to take that approach where if you are going to actively come after my citizens of a sovereign nation as a hacking entity, maybe we will we will fire up our own little special forces of elite hackers yeah. and see if we can't go to war on that front. Maybe you know this is just a, the first shot in the digital war that will be in Scandinavia. I guess so. But yeah, these things do have a tendency to blow over, and so I suspect that'll happen here shortly. But in the meantime... You got to be on your guard and protect your systems. Yeah, let's hope it. I thought you were going to say they have a tendency to blow up, and I was like, "Oh, no, that's don't do that." Let's hope <laughs> it blows over instead yeah. of that. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that's going to do it for who got pwned. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning and IT Pro. If you're watching this from the Technado website, you'll see that big button that says "Sponsored by IT Pro." So you can click on that, check out the site if you want to support the podcast. Uh, they got some Splunk courses coming out. I think either this week or, or very soon next week. Uh, the, with Anthony Sequera, I think. You can use the promo code TECHNATO30 to get a discount on your IT Pro membership if you so choose. And if you just can't get enough, you can also check out ACI's webinars and their live on social events. Those are available at itpro.tv slash webinars. You can also check them out on YouTube. Uh, we've got one coming up in March with Mike Saunders, so definitely 
stick around for that. Daniel and I will be helping out with that. Or, you know, help is a strong word, I guess. <laughs> but we'll be present for it. We will be there. Uh, and then lastly, I want to mention that International Women's Month is coming up in March. So starting next week on March 1st, ACI Learning is going to have some great interviews with some women in audit, cyber, and IT. You can check back every Wednesday in March. They will have a new interview uploaded and I think even some interviews with some of the women of ACI Learning. So you can check those out as well. But other than that, I think that's going to do it for this week. Any parting words of wisdom from you guys? Uh, you know, I, I think we've said do your updates a number yeah, of times. Kind of and, uh, uh, we are we're actively working on our conference schedule. Like, some, mm. we, we want to try and get the Technado team out to some conferences this year. Uh, we'll have some announcements on that in the future. But if you have some recommendations, or if you as viewers are going to be out at conferences, let us know. Maybe we'll do a Technado get together or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I have yet to attend a conference. So that prospect is pretty exciting to me. I think that'd be real fun. So uh, definitely glad for bringing that up. I, I hate to like cut away and be like, we're done without giving you guys an opportunity to like, say something. <laughs> so, so there we go. Those are some parting words from Don and Dan. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Technado. We'll catch you next time.